from Washington, D.C. This is The Tightrope. I'm your host, Dan Smolin. In this episode, we pursue the goal of living a life of less stuff and more meaningful experience with our guest, Eva Grodberg. Eva is a successful corporate escapee from the advertising and media spaces who turned her lifelong love of world travel into a meaningful and profound second act career. She transferred her work skill from a corporate career into a successful new one as founder of Epic Experiences, an experiential travel company providing uniquely crafted vacations and meaningful experiences to discriminating travelers. I spoke to Eva via Skype from her offices in New York City. If somebody asked you to describe the value proposition of your company, Epic Experiences, how would you answer that question? I would say briefly there are four. Um, The first one is destination knowledge. I was a world traveler before becoming an agent, and I now visit as many hotels to determine the best possible places for the client's needs and dream trip. I also cultivate local contacts who can enhance my clients' trips. The next one is rapid response. Um, Calls Mm. and emails will be returned quickly, normally within minutes of receiving them. Or if I'm traveling, I will respond briefly to let them know when I will be able to respond more thoroughly. And then the, the other one is relationships. I get to know hotel general managers and sales managers and local travel suppliers who really ensure that my clients get the best possible treatment. And finally, I'm very detail-oriented. I am accurate. I keep records of all the details and deadlines necessary to create a flawless travel experience. On the Tightrope podcast, we talk a lot about the American dream. And when you and I were growing up, it was probably the dream of our parents that um, through hard work and and grit, uh, we could achieve upward mobility. And for many of us, upward mobility meant money but it also meant stuff. We acquired a lot of stuff, and oftentimes the stuff acquisition was at the expense of gaining really good and profound lifetime experiences. So if we fast forward to the beginning of um, 2017, Pew Research actually published uh, a groundbreaking study that showed how there has been a shift in the American dream, and that now in the wake of the 2008 Great Recession, when none of us really recovered financially from that. I mean, some of us are doing well, but we're not nearly at the earning power that we were at earlier points in our careers. What we want more now is less stuff and more experience. So my question to you is, if a successful life is one led through more epic experience and less stuff, how do we make the most of that in our lives? Well, most of my clients definitely seem to be more focused on having memorable experiences, either with loved ones, with family, friends, or even if they're going on a trip alone. Um, They really want to have the best possible experience while they're away rather than acquiring more stuff. Of course, they still love to shop, and I always give people tips about local markets or Mm -hmm. shopping highlights, how to... um, 
you know, get the doors in Paris to open up to you mm-hmm. by people that are perceived to be unfriendly but really aren't as long as you do one simple thing. But, uh, you know, for the most part, they really do want the experience and want to feel like they've seen a place differently than anyone else has ever done it before. Um, they still want to visit places their friends have never been, especially the millennials. You know, they want to be unique and possibly have bragging rights for social media. And millennials, by and large, have so much acquired debt that they probably can't buy things and value more experience, and especially in travel. Yeah, definitely. Although I do have a lot of clients who, you know, will make that special purchase. You know, I see what they post on Instagram or on Facebook when they're traveling. They, you know, they're going to Vitone when they're in St. Bart or in Paris because they know, you know, if I buy this thing in France, at least I'm paying a lot less for it than I would be paying for it at home. But, yeah, it's really much more about the experience, the best restaurants, the best breweries. Um, I have clients who are beer bloggers, and for their honeymoon, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to go to Brussels in Amsterdam and the best craft breweries outside those cities. So they're really looking for something unique and different than what's been done in a traditional honeymoon for hundreds of years. So I want to take a pivot now and and talk about what it's like being an entrepreneur and running a, a small business like you do and like I do especially in my years as a headhunter. I wanted to talk about this. I, I found that the unofficial part of my job was to be my clients or my job candidate's social worker. It often fell on me to impact some discordance in, discordance in their lives, some unhappiness, some disappointment. I thought I was alone, but then I discovered often that a lot of small businesses do that when they have clients. They, they often are presented with customers who have personal issues that they're trying to work out and And oftentimes, in my case, it was when I was a recruiter, getting them out of an unhappy job experience. So I'm wondering if you have to do that with your clients, if you have to settle them down and maybe get them focused about what they're trying to accomplish. And maybe part of it is maybe they're unhappy. Maybe they just need to get away. Maybe they're burned out. Can you talk to that? You know, I really haven't had anything that similar, although I did work with one couple who I eventually fired. Um, you fired he, them? <laughs> yeah. He um, is motion sick, and he really wanted to go on a river cruise, which is one of my specialties. Right. And she wanted to do some, you know, land touring where they'd be driving around in mountainous areas of Thailand where the roads are really curvy and nauseating. Mm. And she kept saying, ignore him. And he kept saying, I'm not doing that because I'll be car sick. And it was kind of ridiculous. I went back and forth between the two of them. Uh, This was when I was a new agent. I started in March. This trip was in May. I spent probably a week doing nothing but their trip. And finally, the agent I was working with at the time said to me, you will never recoup your time spent even if you made a 100% commission on their trip, mm-hmm. you need to get rid of them. And she was right. You know, it took me a little while. Um, and finally, you know, they went from having a $20,000 budget to telling me, oh, maybe we'll look at Japan and three of us will share a room because oh. this, is spending, this is costing too much money. And finally, I said to them, you know, I've given you probably 50 quotes and I just can't do this anymore. And I, 
Oh, I know what happened. My supplier called me, and she said, You're, one of your clients just called me. I knew the name because I had, I had given it to the supplier for mm-hmm. her to do the quote. Mm-hmm. And they called her to go around me, and I couldn't betray her confidence, but I told them you know, that I was not able to work with them. There is a client who recently told me things about his sex life that I wish I didn't know. Oh, too much um, but information. All this, <laughs> yeah, but all this man wanted to do for his 50th birthday was to chase his wife around their private pool villa. And I thought that was so lovely that, you know, a couple's been married for so long, and yet this is all he wants for his 50th birthday is to be with his wife. So, you know, I didn't mind him telling me about their sex. I mean, he didn't get into details. But, you know, enough detail that I yeah. really didn't need to know. Yeah. Um, and, you're, you know, then I... You're listening to this and you're thinking, do I have to send him to Hedonist, uh, Hedonistic 3 or whatever it's called? Right, Hedonism 2, yeah, a place <laughs> that I really haven't sold ever. Um, but I've been there <laughs> when I was young. Anyway, and then there, were, there was one client, um, and funnily enough, I'm working with both of them now. They were sharing a room at my first destination wedding, and one of them decided that she wanted to bring her boyfriend on the trip with them. And the, the roommate said, under no uncertain terms, am I sharing a room with you and your boyfriend? Oh and gosh. these two women who were friends since childhood broke up oh. over this. And it was really, really sad, you know, to see women doing this for a guy who we all knew was not going to last that long, and he didn't. But, you know, now I'm working with both of them on their honeymoons, and they're not friends again, but maybe someday they will be. (laughs) (laughs) So back to your work crafting epic experiences. I'm wondering if you could share with us what the experience of working with a first-time client would be like. What, What might they expect working from you? I mean, do you lead them to what destination they have in mind, or do you have to sometimes match experiential goals with destinations? It really depends. Usually the client has a general idea where they want to go, but I always qualify them. I ask them why they picked this place, especially if they sound unsure, because, you know, sometimes clients have a dream, but it's just not realistic. Somebody wants to go on a honeymoon to Bora Bora, but they only have a seven-night Um, work vacation window Mm -hmm. and it's going to take them two days to get there and one day to get back so for a seven-day trip it just isn't realistic so we'll always delve into can they take more time or can we adjust the place and maybe do some place closer where they're not going to be spending three days out of seven on planes or sometimes the client doesn't know if they want to go to Aruba or Italy. I mean, these are two completely different vacations. So I'll delve into it with them on the phone and try to pinpoint what their dream trip really is, what they want to do, and you know, keeping in mind that these people are all young and they have time to do all these trips. And maybe it makes more sense to do the closer one first and then do the more extended trip when they have more time. I know agents who will not plan honeymoons without speaking to the couple together. I don't do that. I don't have rules like that Mm -hmm. um, because I've done weddings. I've done honeymoons where I've never spoken to the guy Um, or sometimes I work only with the guy. So it really um, depends completely on them. One time I had a client, which this was really the only disparity. Um, She's a high powered doctor he is a student, and he just wanted her to relax for two weeks, and oh. she said the idea of a beach vacation would make her crazy. 
so they ended up actually going to Bora Bora and Morea and one other island. So in three, in two weeks, they split up the trip over three islands. So she didn't feel like, oh, I'm just laying on a beach for two weeks. And they mixed in a lot of adventure activities. So it's just really important for me to get a feel for what this couple really wants and deliver. And hopefully they're both on the same page. So the level and degree of uniqueness of the experience we pursue for ourselves changes over our lifetimes. What, what my wife and I pursued as newlyweds um, when we traveled differs from what we want now. And part of that is a reflection of the fact that we both are different people uh, now than we were when we were married. And so my question to you is, how does the dynamic aspect of our pursuit of experience get factored into the work and value that you provide your clients? Lately, I've been doing a lot of river cruises, you know, for couples or single people of a certain age. When they were younger, they really wanted to relax on a beach, and they really didn't care much about history or churches or art. But as they get older, their interests change, and their desire to see different parts of the world changes, and what went from being just a beach vacation might be a beach vacation with exploration of Mayan ruins thrown in. So the river cruises are a great way for people to mix and match. Um, the river cruise companies I work with or prefer to work with usually will offer three or four different um, excursions each day. So one day um, somebody can see art and culture, get into a museum or you know, a major site like the Hermitage early before the crowds, mm. and then the next day they can take a bicycle ride up into the hills to wineries, or the next day they could take a cooking class with wine tasting. So it really gives them a big variety of experiences in one trip. Other people, they're focused solely on one thing. They want to go and play the best golf courses of Scotland or the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. So it really, it really depends on the client and what their priorities are for any given trip. I know that some of your clients earn their livings doing important, what I'll call adrenaline pumping intense work on Wall Street. And you also mentioned your doctor client as well doing very important work. Do you find it is easy to get them to escape the rush of the job when they're on vacation? Definitely. I recently sent a high-powered lawyer to India with her family. They really went for the wedding of um, one of the daughter's boyfriend, but she practices yoga every morning. And this trip was way too packed full of sightseeing for them to have time, really, for her to have yoga daily. But she, you know, I, midway through the trip, I, I emailed her. I said, I just want to make sure you're getting in some yoga. And she said, you know, already three times and at like three of the best hotels in the world. So nice. I'm sure they were really good yoga classes. And she intends to go back to do really a spiritual trip of India so that she can focus more on yoga and meditation and wellness, maybe without the kids being there. So she can stay in some, some more of the world's best hotels. But it's, you know, it's really gratifying to know that somebody like that can come back refreshed and recharged you know, to get on with their busy lives. So one last question, and I'm going to make it personal. What epic experiences have you not had that you're craving to have in travel? So I get seasick, but I would love to go to Antarctica 
right now there are these trips on these destination, uh, what do they call them? Like they're adventure discovery yachts. They're, you know, they're not small ships. They're, they hold around 200 people because that's the max that Antarctica will let you bring in at any given time. Mm. And they are amazing. You know, this one ship, the Ponant uh, Explorer ships, they have an underwater lounge where you, they have glass window, not glass windows, they oh have windows that oh, are looking wow. out underwater of the marine life swimming by, and they have these microphones that are capturing the sounds of the marine life that you're hearing underwater. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do this until a real cure for seasickness is invented, right. but that's a dream trip. Um, the other thing is I would love to go to Micronesia, Palau, snorkeling, um, or Raja Ampat, which is right in, is in Indonesia, one of the outskirt islands, for an amazing snorkeling trip. You know, there's just so many places to go. I've never been to Hawaii. I would love to go to Hawaii. You've Hawaii never been to Hawaii? I've never been to Hawaii. You know, there's some places wow. that are perceived as honeymoon couples destinations. And when you're not a couple or you're, not, you're a solo traveler, and every time you go out to dinner, you're asked where your husband is, after a while, you want to kill yourself. <laughs> and I just have this perception that that would happen a lot in Hawaii. That's why I'm thinking more Fiji, because Fiji has that whole cultural aspect with the local people who do the kava ceremonies and have all kinds of dancing and creative arts and it's not so much of, I mean, yes, it's a honeymoon destination, but it's not as honeymoon as Bora Bora, Morea, mm. you know, Polynesia, or um, the Maldives, or Hawaii. I suppose so, if you're going to invest in the hours in the air and the jet lag, you might also go to some place that's going to be a unique destination. I have to agree with you. Uh, Hawaii is, yeah, it's a lot of tourists and a lot of honeymooners. It's a lovely place. I hope to go back there with, with our family, uh, with our daughter at some point because she really wants to go. But you know what? If you're going to invest the time in the year, you should probably think about some other things as well. For sure. And then, the, you know, as far as river cruises, um, I'm dying to do the Douro River in Portugal and or go to Portugal and just, you know, have some major wine experiences. Excellent. Eva Grodberg, thank you so much for being on this program. Um, you've been a great guest on the tightrope. Uh, one last question. If our listeners wanted to find you, how would they do that? They could definitely go to my website, which is epic with a hyphen or a dash, experiences, plural, dot com. So not the word hyphen or dash, that little symbol that's a hyphen or a dash. Or they can find me on Facebook at one, the number sign one, epic experience. And I look forward to hearing from them. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the tightrope. Thank you so much, Dan, for inviting me. Thanks again to our guest, Eva Grodberg, for walking the tightrope with us. A link to her website is available on our podcast page at dansmolin.com. Do catch up with past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and on our podcast page at dansmolin.com. And please let us know what you think of the tightrope. Do suggest topics that you believe we should tackle in future episodes by writing us at info at dansmolin.com. From Washington, D.C., this is The Tightrope. I'm Dan Smolin, and do remember this, our best days lie ahead. 
Have a great and successful week, everyone.